Hello, everybody, and welcome back to OMB Reviews. I am the critic who is a cynic. How is everyone doing this evening? Happy and blessed Saturday, and welcome to episode 452 of the Welcome to Asgard podcast, where tonight we're going to be talking about Barbenheimer, as that is the key news item of the day when it comes to the box office, as Barbie especially, but also included in the mix, is Oppenheimer, are dominated the box office in the number one and two spots once again two weeks in a row. Both films projected at this point this weekend to make as much, if not even more, than what they had been projected to make in their opening weekend, which just again shows you how strong the opening weekend was and also how strong the holds have been for the Barbenheimer duo. So we'll talk about that and also have a general movie talk discussion any type of movie talk that y'all want to discuss, y'all can bring up. So stay on topic, everybody. Stay on target. And I do want to apologize for being about 10 minutes late today. I put this in the chat, but little baby Thor had a friend's third birthday party to go to. And so we were there. And if you know anything about the area of Chattanooga, there are a couple of mountains in our area. And so his friend's house happened to be on top of one of the mountains. And so even though it's not too far distance wise away because it is elevated, it does take a little while to get up and down that mountain. And uh, of course, Baby Thor was having a wonderful time and it's hard to get (laughs) Baby Thor away from a party when he's having a wonderful time, especially when it's past his bedtime and he is incredibly tired. So again, thank y'all for understanding uh, for me being a little late today. But please make sure you smash that like button, like the fire button, and smash the rumble button as well. Let's say hello to the people in the chat. First off, we got King Kane Rumshki hanging out over on Rumble. What is going on, King Kane Rumshki? Also, I just got reminded myself that I am indeed multi-streaming over on... Actually, no, I'm not. So good. I don't have to worry about that. If you happen to usually watch on Kick, uh, I'm sorry. That is still turned off from this past weekend. And not a lot of people watch over there anyway, so shouldn't impact much, but... Figured I'd just at least mention that as to why the kick stream is not live currently. But Kinkane Rumski over on Rumble says, Dashing Fandral, Grim Hogan, Voluminous Volstag. Ah, yes. None of those are the correct answer. None. I know it seems a little odd, but but no. None of them. All right, let's go ahead and say hello to the YouTube chat. First off, we got our King Mod hanging out tonight. Orange Chat Reviews. What is going on, good sir? Make sure to follow the rules. Look and see what... Mr. Orange Chat Reviews said at the very beginning of the stream, please put at Odin, the very beginning of the comment, at Odin. Let's me know that you're trying to get my attention, no matter what platform that you happen to be watching on. So again, thank y'all for following those rules, and don't spam. This is a family channel as well. We got Master of Gaming in the chat. What is going on, Master of Gaming? Um, I do have Heimdall on currently. I just saw someone ask that in the chat. Um, I do have it turned on. There it is. So it wasn't turned on at the beginning, obviously, because it doesn't turn on until the stream actually starts. So anyone who was trying to check their cookies while I was not here, that's the reason why that was not working. But turn it on as soon as the stream actually started. We got Rob D hanging out. What's going on, Rob D? Says, hello, Odin. Just saw Mission Possible 7. Now going to see Oppenheimer in IMAX. Won't be watching the stream tonight. Well, I don't forgive you, Rob D. How dare you go to watch Oppenheimer? Instead of watching my stream. I'm very hurt by that. My stream will be half as long as that movie. And I would argue more entertaining. It's not a terrible movie, but... <laughs> anyway, Keely Chow, what's going on? Welcome back. Forever Sci-Fi, who is a member. Hail to you. Ambrose Chamberpot, hail to you. Welcome back. We got Gary Banjo Sandwich Worthington. 
what is going on. Uh, we got Laura, the modern major general story. Another one of our mods in the chat as well. She is our modern major general as well. She says, fun fact, did you guys know that the moon gets a little further away each orbit? I did not know that. Is that a perpetual thing, Laura? Does that mean that over the course of centuries, it will just continue to get further and further away where eventually it just is no longer a part of... <laughs> it's no longer orbiting, just like maybe flies away at some point? That would be intriguing. Bruce is a member with the <laughs> creepy little pink finger dudes. <laughs> Thank you very much for <laughs> using those. General Winkster no longer... Or at least, actually, he just re-upped it, in fact, so I, I take that back. He is a member once again, but he says, Odin is late, and he's no wizard, so no excuses. I am not a wizard, but I am a father of, of a two-and-a-half, even more than two-and-a-half at this point-year-old, so I will use that as an excuse for as long as I possibly can. I'm a father. Frank G in the chat. What is going on, Frank G? And General Winkster, thank you very much for becoming a member at the Keeper of the Bifrost level on YouTube. Appreciate it, man. Check out the community tab if you want to get access to older podcast episodes from the past. By the way, anyone who's still waiting on technically this and last month's podcast, I'm going to try to do everything I can to get an episode recorded this Monday. I'm going to try and see if I can reach out to some people as uh, me me and John are not uh, currently working on podcasts at the moment. He, he now has a full-time job, so it makes it even more complicated. Uh, for us to to get together, so we haven't even talked about it since since we had our you know our disagreements since we had mommy and daddy fighting. Don't worry, everything is okay. Uh, but I'm hoping to be able to to schedule a couple of uh, awesome guests to do at least one or two podcasts to make up for uh, last month. So be on the lookout for that this coming Monday. Let us see. Laura, indeed, something's happening. Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan, how about a hockey player? What is going on, Miss Minnesota Hockey Fan? We got Great Wuda. Hail to you. General Winkster says, I love you, Odin. Although, <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Keely Chow, time to say, how are you, Thor and the Lady Freya doing? Also, how was the birthday party uh, for one of baby Thor's friends? It was fun. It was fun. There was a little... Um, like a mini like bounce house essentially so uh, baby thor was a little nervous it's so funny because he's so outgoing he is very uh um he is not what's the word i'm now blanking because i my my whole schedule is just thrown off at this point but he is not and he is an extrovert right so both uh, my wife and i are both introverted people we love just being alone we're homebodies you know when covid happened let's just say it didn't really impact us as much as it would other people um, because we were like, oh, we have an actual reason to stay in home, stay at home and not have to interact with people. Great. Uh, that's just kind of the way introverts, you know, work sometimes. Uh, Baby Thor is very much an extrovert, but it's so funny because uh, whenever he is in an area at a specific time or if there's maybe just a lot going on, he acts very, very shy. It's kind of like this, this, this act he puts on because once he just lightens up, it's just he is the king of the castle no matter where he goes. Uh, let's see, Laura tagged to say, I went to the movies Thursday, and poor little Haunted Mansion was only in one of the smaller theaters. It was Barbenheimer everywhere else, and based on the numbers that we're seeing right now, I absolutely have, I have no, that, that is not surprising to me at all, 
right? You know, kind of like getting us into that main topic of, of tonight, which is indeed that Barbenheimer is doing very, very well, right? We do have one new release in Haunted Mansion. And though the $25 million that Haunted Mansion is expected to bring in this weekend domestically is probably higher than what some would have expected the number to be, it, it, it's surely not enough. Uh, to to get anyone excited about the film's prospects. The film costs well north of $150 million. We all know that Disney is notorious for overspending on all of their projects. So for all we know, that $150 million being projected is probably actually higher, as was the case with the Doctor Strange 2 Multiverse of Madness film, which costs $300 million versus the $200 million that it originally had been. So the $25 million projections for the weekend for that film... Definitely don't look good. Now, I've heard some pretty good things about it. By pretty good, I mean I've heard that some people didn't hate it. I've heard some people even enjoyed it, but not enough to say it's one of the best films or a really good film, but rather, hey, it's not offensive and it's fine. And there are some Easter eggs in there if you are a fan of the ride or know of the Haunted Mansion ride, things like that. So it sounds like it's a mostly inoffensive movie from from what I've heard from the reviews from people that I trust. However, it's also a Disney product geared towards kids, I, again, I, I just don't quite know what else it's going to take to let Disney know that they have lost the kid family market. Because when it comes to a movie like this, if a film like Lightyear won't make a splash with families, how in the world is a Haunted Mansion film going to make a splash with families? Right? So I'm not saying that the dagger is is clearly, at this point, guaranteed in the heart of Haunted Mansion's prospects, but... A $25 million start is definitely not where a film like this from Disney would probably want it to be, though it's definitely better than what it could be. As it says right here, and this is coming from our good friend Tony over at Deadline. Good old Tony. No major seismic changes at the box office here tonight from what we saw this afternoon as Barbie continues to roll in house. Roll in dream house dough. <sighs> Tony. With an industry estimated second weekend between 90 and 94 million. So just go back a week. When Warner Brothers, before the weekend came for the first week of Barbie, Warner Brothers said they only thought the film was going to make $75 million opening weekend. That, that was the Warner Brothers numbers. Now, Tony over at Deadline obviously said, now we don't think the movie's going to make only $75 million. They're lowballing. And their expert opinion said it was going to make around 90 to $100 million at the box office. Ended up making well over $160 million domestically. So everyone was clearly wrong on those projections. Now go ahead and look at this second weekend number of 90 to 94 million. So what this means is that Barbie in its second weekend is going to make the high end or near the high end of what the initial estimates for its opening weekend was going to be. Add to that Oppenheimer, which is expected to make another what 48 to 50 million or so. Yeah, 46 million dollars. Going into its first weekend, the projections were around $50 million. It ended up doing around $80 million. So that would be here, right, a 44% hold. And I said going into the weekend that a 40, you know, less than 50% hold is probably likely for both of these movies. And sure enough, 44% hold is what Oppenheimer is looking at. And guess what? The same thing also for Barbie. So the best end, the best scenario for both of these movies is that from first week to second week, it holds 44% domestic. Now, that would bring, if it makes around 90 to $100 million for its second weekend, that would bring its overall domestic to around $350 million. Internationally, we know the film is also doing almost you know shot for shot, 
The domestic market is not dominating in a way that I thought was going to happen. I thought that the domestic was going to be a lot higher than the international, but internationally, it's also actually holding up uh, pretty well. And so when you take those movies together, that's why a worldwide total of somewhere between seven and 800 million is very likely. In a, in a crazy scenario, you could actually even see it get north of 800 million. Personally, I think somewhere between seven and 700, sorry, sorry 700 and 800 million uh, worldwide by the end of the second weekend. And what does that mean? As I've been saying now for days, it means a guaranteed billion dollar hit. And as I've also said consistently as well, what does that actually mean for our culture and our society? <laughs> if you've actually seen the movie and you know what the movie's actually saying, not what these people online are trying to say, well, the movie's actually about this and the movie's actually about that. They're talking about a movie that does not actually exist. They're, they're ignoring the facts about the writer of the film, Greta Gerwig. They're ignoring the previous projects of Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. They're ignoring the source material that was used in the writing of this movie. And they're ignoring the film itself. They're, they're just picking and choosing certain things to, to fit whatever narratives, narratives that, that they're trying to say. Why it is they're doing that, it's anyone's guess. But what I can say is that for this movie to be doing as well as it is, hey, this is great for theaters. So if I'm going to give kudos to anything, I'm going to give kudos to the fact that they're making a lot of money for theaters. So much money for theaters, in fact, my local theater, my local big AMC 18, this coming Friday had showings as early as 9 a.m., I haven't seen showings like that since before the pandemic, right? Higher volume theaters would typically have very early showings, especially for big releases. So opening somewhere between nine and 10 during the, the, you know, right after the pandemic, a lot of the local theaters, because no one was buying tickets was only opening up around noon, maybe 1 PM. So I think that when I, I look at what this is doing to my own local theater, cause your theater could be different. Your theater could have had these earlier showings already, but this is how I know how big this is because when my own local theater, which has done certain things, has has scheduled certain times for, for so many years, is now changing that, is now expanding its hours of operation, that tells me they're seeing higher traffic, that they are seeing a lot of people and a lot of people are buying concessions. And that ultimately is a huge win for theaters. Theaters get, again, around 40% of the take when everything is said and done. So they get about 40% of the box office. So if the film, if Barbie ends up making over a billion dollars, we're talking about, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars that will be made by the, by the theaters. And that of course is very, very good for the theaters. So again, kudos to Barbie and Oppenheimer because they're both doing this together. You know, obviously clearly Barbie is doing significantly better than what Oppenheimer could ever hope to do on its own, but they are still definitely working in tandem. The Barbenheimer meme is real it has had an impact. It has had an effect. There has been crossover, and that is good for the theaters. Now, again, my more, the bigger concern that I have is less so with the money and more so with the positive reactions coming from the film, which is clearly radical, third, fourth-way feminist drivel. But I digress. I can at the very least say meme culture is definitely saving certain parts of the film. I think all of the Ken jokes are hilarious online. There were some really great uh, Ken jokes going on. Uh, over the last, you know, several streams uh, last night on Friday Night Tights, for instance, there was a lot of great jokes going on there too. And uh, again, there's a lot of fun stuff coming out of it. But that's you can kind of always get that when it comes to films that really aren't good in and of themselves. Meme culture ultimately comes in to save the day. All right, let's get back into the live chat 
and see what y'all have to say. But yeah, clearly, Barbenheimer is destroying the box office at this point in time, and a billion dollars is all but guaranteed. What say you? Jenna Wingster says, No one cares about what Orange says. Well, you better care. Nick Brown, what's going on? Welcome. J.S. Pena tagged what is going on. Kikane Rumschke over on Rumble says, This Barbie news is driving me to drink. Yeah. That's why, <laughs> at the end of the day, right, you kind of have to look at it and say, you know what, let me just laugh at the stuff that's coming out of, like, the, the whole Ken Dome stuff, people trying to essentially make Ken out to be the, the big hero of the movie and stuff. Like, again, I think that's hilarious, uh, this, this very macho culture trying to do that. I think it's great. And then also, hey, you know what, at the very least, theaters are making money. Theaters are making quite a bit of money off of this film. So you got to try to find the positive in things, even when things are, culturally speaking, pretty dark. Abomination, what is going on? Thank you very much for hanging out over on uh, over on Odyssey. It says, FNT on Rumble was almost nonstop. How do you mean? He then tagged to say, I will try to resist the urge to list all of the Ken meme titles I think of. Hey, no, again, I find that fun. I find that quite, quite fun. Master Gaming trying to say, Barbie Oppenheimer is holding better domestically than projected. Yep. And I, I remember I said that going into the weekend, right? The projections coming from the so-called experts um, from Deadline said it was going to be like 55% hold. And I said, yeah, it could be that. But something tells me based on these weekday holds, because remember, the weekday holds were, were very good. There was no change at all between the Tuesday and Wednesday numbers for Barbie. And then there was only a 7% change between the Wednesday and Thursday numbers. So it's holding very, very well. And clearly, the Haunted Mansion movie is not providing any competition and not taking any audiences away from either uh, either of those movies, right? And it makes sense because <clears throat> Barbie is, even though it's funny how Deadline, when they were talking about this, said, yeah, Barbie's going to take away the family audience uh, from for Haunted, Haunted Mansion. And then I'm like, wait, aren't these probably the same people that are trying to explain that, well, this movie's not made for kids, so why should parents be complaining about the content that's in the movie? And it's like, because it's a property, it's an IP that's geared to kids. And the way that the marketing was, like, for instance, you know how, you know, the public domain, uh, Winnie the Pooh story entered into the public domain, and so a studio decided to do a uh, R-rated horror movie. Okay, how was that film marketed? Yes, Winnie the Pooh is in there, but it's marketed as a horror movie. It's marketed as a movie that is clearly for an adult audience. If you bring a kid to that, guess what? That's on you. How was Barbie marketed? It was marketed to everybody. Even the trailer itself said it. If you love Barbie, if you hate Barbie, everyone, it's for you. And then also, again, Barbie is directly, you know, directly geared towards kids. It's a Mattel toy, right? And so... The way it's marketed and the way it's actually shot and the way it is as an IP, it makes sense then that there would be families that would be bringing their kids to it and then realizing, oh, wait a minute, this really isn't for them. They were not stressing that PG-13 rating in their marketing campaign whatsoever. So it does not surprise me to see the film doing as well as it is. But it is interesting how Deadline in one sentence will say, yeah, one of the reasons why you see such low numbers for Haunted Mansion is because of Barbie. It's like, so what you're saying then is that you are insinuating Barbie is geared towards kids. 
the trailers would seem to indicate that because why would you have a trailer for trolls for a movie that's supposed to be geared towards adults? People really can't answer those questions. They just come up with random excuses and end up talking, like I've said previously, they talk about a movie that does not actually exist. And yeah, so it is doing a lot better and it's under 50% at this point of a uh, of a drop, which is very, very good. With that kind of opening weekend to have this kind of a hold, it's going to make a, a lot of money. It could end up being the biggest money maker of the entire year. Let's see, Abomination, I think I know what you're talking about now. It says, the Rumble chat was almost half normal discussion and half Ken meme titles all the way until the last 30 minutes, even though I was doing my best to keep it going. Hey, the YouTube chat was the same way. Because it got to a point where I, I started looking at the chat and almost every other comment was a, a Ken meme. So, it was pretty funny. There was some pretty great, <laughs> it, was a pre- it was a pretty great run that they had. Uh, Laura says, these are not spirit fingers. These are spirit fingers. And these are gold. I get that reference. I don't need the context on that one. I know that one. Former cheerleader here. Brightburn 1985 says, All Father, did you hear? One of the showrunners of the Arrowverse says the MCU should reboot like DC is doing. Well, yeah, because the Arrowverse is a great... <laughs> you know, the, the creators and the producers behind the, the Arrowverse completely know what they're talking about, right? I mean, don't get me wrong. There was a time when the Arrowverse was really cool, right? The Arrow show was fun. The Flash was fun. And it was doing well. And then it just went on for way too long and went off the rails and became incredibly uninteresting. So I've been saying this for a while that when it comes to the MCU, DC, Star Wars, any of these major IPs, they need a reboot, but they need a break. They need a solid break. They need to say, all right, we're not going to do anything for you know five, ten years because we are going to spend that time getting all of our ducks in a row, making sure that we have a perfect plan, or as perfect as can be, but a plan, looking at you, Kathleen Kennedy, who never had a plan for anything, and doing something with it. But that that's what they need to do, right? If you're talking reset and reboot, you gotta be able to do it right. But just saying, oh, we're gonna wait a year and then have another reboot, and then we're gonna reboot it five times in a 10-year period, okay, no, 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 no. That that That's not gonna work for anybody. Forever sci-fi, that's no moon. It's a space station. That orbits at a perfect distance to block the sun and keep the same side facing us always. Dan Crane, what's going on, brother? Welcome back. We got Kimberly G. What is going on, Kimberly G? Thank you for being here. Master of Gaming, the Mattel CEO and Barbie might get a sequel. Sorry, the Mattel CEO said Barbie might get a sequel. Oh, no, it is going to get a sequel. Whether or not, you know, radical feminists, Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach will, will come back for a sequel is anyone's guess. Um, because as I, as I've mentioned previously, if you follow their work, they are indie filmmakers. They've worked in the indie space their entire careers, basically. So this was a huge step for them to get a 100 plus million dollar budgeted movie, but there is no reason to not do a Barbie film. And especially because Mattel's also started to announce other IPs that they're thinking about. So for instance, there is talk about a Barney, uh, a movie. There's talk of the, what is it? The pocket Penny Pocket, whatever it's called, movie. And they've got Lena Dunham attached to that one, apparently. Oh, boy. That's going to be a load of fun, I can just guess. A Hot Wheels car a Hot Wheels car film. Uh, uh, Uno, apparently, is also being talked about. A Thomas the, the Train Engine uh, <laughs> story. And I, I was actually talking about this on 
the Salty Nerd podcast earlier today. And th- we, we went through the list of Mattel stories that are being talked about. And I thought to myself, you know what? It would not surprise me because, again, what did they do with Barbie? They took a, a, a actual property that is for kids, and then they decided to actually really make it more for an adult audience. And they didn't market it that way. So what, what would an Uno film look like? And I said, you know, a lot of them were kind of asking, how in the world can you make a movie out of an Uno film? And my mind immediately went to two, th- two things. One, well, Jumanji was a game, and they were able to make a movie out of that. And obviously, it was made for the movie. But still... You can have a similar adaptation there of people playing the game in the film. But then I thought to myself, but the first thing that flashed by was, well, wait a minute. Do you remember a little show called Squid Game? And how big that franchise, uh, how big that series got and how much attention it got? Imagine if you have an Uno game, but they're stakes. And you have weird different twists on all the different properties. Now... I may probably sound a lot better than what any film that they come up with would probably be, but if they were going to make it work and they were going to try to, you know, gear it towards a more adult audience, that would be one way of doing it. A kids movie with Uno, I guess, I just don't see that happening. Um, and then with Barney, when we talked about Barney, another thing that came up there was, oh, well, they've already made Death to Smoochie, so if you're going to go for an adult audience, uh, I feel like you already got a film that's not going to be able to be dethroned quite as easily. If you've never seen Death of Smoochie, it's uh, a very funny performance from Robin Williams and Edward Norton, amongst others in it. Um, it's a very raunchy film, but it is quite funny. It is indeed very, very funny. And then the last film that I gave a recommendation for was Thomas the Train. Okay, I'd be down for a Thomas the Train live-action movie, but only if they did the version a la Major Pain. If you've never seen Major Pain, there's a great sequence when he's telling a bedtime story. And he starts telling the story of the little engine that could... Toot, toot. And then it turns into a war film, a war story, and it is hilarious. And it's like, wait a minute, if you were to do that, okay, maybe I would be a little interested. <laughs> Polly Pocket, thank you, Miss Minnesota fan. That that was the uh, that was the one that was that's being adapted with Lena Dunham attached of Girls Fame. If you've never seen Girls, don't torture yourself with it. I remember I watched the whole first season because, again, if I'm going to trash talk anything, I want to have to actually have seen it before doing it. And so I watched the whole first season. I laughed one time, and it was specifically because of something Adam Driver did. It was not anything that was written by Lena Dunham. It was a choice that was clearly made by Adam Driver. And I'm sad that he was ever even attached to that series. It was, let's just say, torture. If you think a movie experience like Brie Larson's unicorn store is bad and it is and it's torture imagine a series where you're having to watch essentially several unicorn stores with a little less time it's awful J.S. Pena time to say Saw Dead Reckoning Part 1 I enjoyed it it's phenomenal it's a great movie it is it is truly sad that more people are not going to see that one it's sad that in a year of movies, that Dead Reckoning Part 1 is going to lose money and a you know a radical feminist Barbie movie is going to make over a billion dollars. That's the world we live in, everybody. <laughs> and again, that shows a, a cultural problem that we have in our country and in our world more so than anything else. Daniel hanging out over on Odyssey. What is going on, Daniel? 
Abomination tagged to say, although uh, since they keep making decisions based on social media and memes, it would be really funny if they made a feminist movie hoping for people to cheer for the women, but then their algorithm determines that their next movie needs to be all about Ken with toxic masculinity. You know what I do think is quite entertaining, Abomination? I would not be surprised. This is the general sentiment I'm getting from the from social media. I would love to see like a, a poll on major public plat like major major public users um, accounts that have broad ranging. So not just like from a conservative account, but from a you could even say a liberal, moderate, you know, whatever it might be from multiple places with a simple poll. Would you rather see Barbie two? Or a Ken movie. Because I would honestly not be surprised if more people would want a Ken movie versus another Barbie movie. Now, isn't that interesting? And it's funny because even the people that enjoyed the movie, usually when they say, what is your favorite part? Typically, it's most of the stuff with Ken. I just do find that a bit entertaining. (laughs) But it's also not that surprising with how most of these films and most of these stories and the ways that they tell stories tend to play out. They go for one thing and then end up getting something else. King Kane Rumsky over on Rumble says, I think uh, Abomination meant... <laughs> it's Abomination, but I, I definitely could see why you would think I, I say it that way. Meant we were doing all kinds of movie related with Ken. Yep, that's exactly what they were doing. Yeah, he explained it. He explained it. All right, back over to the YouTube chat. Master of Gaming Tad to say, it's time the Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. This is exactly what I said. Won't make a billion, but Barbie, of all movies, is going to make a billion. And not just a billion. At this point, the way it's pacing, it's pacing faster. I believe it's pacing faster than Mario. So Mario was the biggest movie of this year. This movie could get close to 800 million by tomorrow. So when the weekend numbers come in, we could see it get close to 800 million. Somewhere between 700 and 800 million. If it gets there after just two weeks, let's just say it could, not that it will, but it could end up giving Mario a run for its money. It could end up making more than Mario. So not even just that it's going to be a billion dollar film. It could be the highest grossing film of the year. (laughs) So again, (laughs) this is the world that we live in. Oh boy. Uh, Cthulhu, Tad to say, good day to you in chat. Why is it that we haven't had a superhero parody movie yet? Far too overdue and apropos. Well, I think that some would argue that the film Super, which I actually think was written by um, James Gunn, of all people. It's a film I've never seen, but I've heard some people claim it's a pretty good movie. I'm pretty sure that's a parody. I don't know if it's a parody of superhero movies or, or of superheroes in general, but I know it's at the very least a, a parody he- of, of heroes. Of masked heroes. You could also, in a way, argue that Kick-Ass was, to a certain extent, a parody. But I am surprised to see that there haven't been more. Uh, I think that's definitely a good point. Let's see. Forever Sci-Fi, who's a member, says, I don't think a lot of the women seeing Barbie are ignoring anything. I think they aren't admitting they agree with it. They probably also believe the wage cap is real. Yeah, I mean, that to me would be that follow-up. If I was having an honest discussion with somebody who was trying to debate me over the messaging of the movie... That would probably be like one of my first questions. Okay, let me get a baseline to see where you, you where you are at. Like, do you believe that there is a clear and distinct wage gap? And if the answer is yes, it's like, okay, well, then that tells me a lot, right? Because it shows that you don't understand nuance. 
right? Because you could say, well, you know, if you look at the average salary of all men and the average salary of all women, there's a discrepancy. Yes, because you're taking all occupations of all people in all ages and not specific occupations, right, of the same occupation, of the same educational background, because guess what? When you do that, poof, any discrepancy disappears. Now, are there examples that still exist today of people being discriminated against? Yes, there are. And you know what else there is? There's there's laws. So if someone does that to you, guess what? You have a way of being able to bring that to court through the laws that exist. And obviously, we should always try to fight against those exceptions that do happen. But we don't get there by claiming that there is a bigger problem than there, what there actually is. But yeah, I, I agree. I think that if they are believing that, right, if they're buying into even that basic thing, okay, that could definitely explain as to why they're not hearing the things that are being said, or the very least that they are agreeing with the things that they say. James Drake, what is going on? Welcome. Her sci-fi says, at least not Indiana Jones was a complete failure. Yeah, this is true. Abomination says, we need another Mystery Men, but not a sequel. Give us a whole new lineup with all new challenges. Interesting. I don't know what Mystery Men is. I don't think I've ever actually seen it. Let's see. Making sure I got everyone over there. Thank you all again. Light up that fire button. Honestly, smash that rumble button. King Kane Rumsky. Appreciate you always holding down the fort over there. General Wings just says, I regret nothing. How dare you? Ikthulu. Funny how people think 13 is not a kid when it suits their agenda. That's another good point too, right? Is that obviously PG is a rating that we typically understand to be, okay, this is a kid's movie for kids. And PG-13 is not. But that's an excellent point. Yeah, but isn't a 13, 14, 15-year-old still a kid? I would say yes. When you're getting even to 16, 17, you're not a legal adult until 18. So, you know what? Maybe we should stop trying to use that as an excuse. It's a very weak one at that. Frank G, 2023 has brought us Mario and now soon Barbie. Cracking to the top 50 domestic charts. What is the next IP that could blow up like these two films? Uh, for this year, I don't see much of any. The only film that you could argue, I think, off the top of my head at least, that could make much of a splash, would, I think, be... Uh, well, actually, no, I'll, I'll take that back. There's another film that just, that just popped into my head. So, for one, I think that Dune, I think that that will probably do better than what the first film did. First film came out, was directly impacted by the by the pandemic, by a release schedule, right, going on to HBO Max at the time, very, very early in its release amongst a plethora of other things. Now you've got a film coming out that costs a lot less, and they were able to do a lot more, and I think the marketing has also been pretty effective. The fact that there's people that are actually very excited for the movie, when I don't remember that kind of excitement for the first one, I think that tells me that there could be more buzz surrounding it than what it was previous. Now, do I think it's going to make a billion dollars? No. Do I think it has a chance of doing better than the first film? Yes. And I think that it's kind of what we're looking at at this point. The only the only other things that come to mind are, I think there are, there's uh, two movies set to come out from Angel Studios. One is a film that they mentioned and showed a trailer for on a recent episode of TimCast. And I think it's called After Death. And... They even say it's going to be a smaller release. They're not going to have a, a wide release. And obviously, it's not going to have as impactful of a story as A Sound of Freedom would. But I think they have another film set to come out in December. And I believe that is their 
film. I think it's the shift that's coming out in December. I could be wrong on that, but that could, again, angel studios has proven itself to have made a lot of new fans have reached a lot of new people and a lot of new people know about him, myself included. I knew about them previously, but not nearly to this degree. I've actually downloaded their app and started to further look into them. If you did not see the interview that they did with with Tim Pool the other day on TimCast, it actually is very fascinating to hear where they came from, what their goals are, and what their plans are for the future. There's a film coming out next year, I think March of next year, called Cabrini, which is all about a, a Catholic saint, uh, St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. Um, and it is, it's one of these films that it, it stars and is going to be focused on a strong female character, but it's going to be from the perspective of what actually makes someone strong, right? In the modern day, you know, in the post-modernist, post-moral world we live in, what makes a woman strong? Oh, she don't need no man. Oh, she, she doesn't need a family. She doesn't need this. She doesn't need that, right? All these typical radical left-wing talking points. Whereas with what's what's with Cabrini? Oh wait, she's she's taking a life of poverty, a life from that point on in her life of chastity, obedience. Oh wait a minute, <laughs> that one term alone, obedience. Wait a minute, we can't associate that with with true feminism, with true female empowerment. So I'm actually really excited to see because they are excited about that film and they think that film is the best film they've done. And I didn't know this until last night. It's the same director behind Sound of Freedom. So that actually gives me a lot more confidence in the potential of that film. Uh, Laura says, Odin's got spirit. Yes, he do. He got spirit. How about you? <laughs> you ain't white. You ain't white. <laughs> now all I can think about is not another teen movie. <laughs> That's one of the best parts of it. We didn't steal your cheer. And then they go on to say, <laughs> we ain't white. So funny. Keely Chow, more action, less feelings. Kaylee Chow then also says, Bubba the Vampire Slayer did not have that much feelings. It did. It did have a lot of feelings, though. Let's be let's be honest. It did have a lot of feelings. But it had it in such a balanced way. And it did not... It did not sacrifice feelings for the sake of an agenda. Right? If, if Buffy were to, be, were to be made today, they would have ripped away any and all emotions, any and all romantic attachments. The Angel love story would not have happened. Right, she would not have shown any weakness whatsoever. But even though she was a slayer, even though she was a chosen one, she was still imperfect. She still made mistakes. She lost people. She was still emotionally impacted. Laura then goes on to say the smashing of the baby doll scene was kind of shocking. Yeah, and that's the very beginning of the movie. That's why when people say, "Oh, it's not until the very end that it gets preachy," I'm like, "Bruh, literally from the very first scene." <laughs> It's very, very clear on what they're trying to get across. And, and the people that are trying to mansplain, in many cases, it's mansplaining going on. And yes, I'm going to use that term to describe them. Um, it, it's just, it's crazy. Favorite sci-fi is, remember, remember the weird naked la lady chair the former Mattel CEO had on the toys that made us? Tells you a lot about Mattel. I actually don't. Keely Chow, Buffyverse is better than the, oh, by, by far, the Buffyverse is better. Because that includes, what, just Buffy and the Angel series? I never got too far into Angel, but I know a lot of people tend to really enjoy it. Uh, Orange Chat says, If what Laura said about the moon, it would explain why the moon was so big in 300 when Leonidas was stark naked up, <laughs> looking it up at the moment. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah, Polly Pocket. 
does everyone is everyone excited to see a Lena Dunham directed or created Polly Pocket movie? Jeremy Zakowski tried to say, how the heck can you make an Uno game into a film? Hopefully my explanation made some sense. They could make it. I just don't think they have the capacity to. Keely Chow, I consider Death to Smoochie an unofficial sequel to Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> okay. Okay, I can get behind that. Ikthulu, you can make an Uno movie if you treat it as Casino Royale would be my first go-to. Ooh, Ikthulu. I like that. I like that. That would be also hilarious, too. Imagine you have the same level of intensity as you have in the card game in Casino Royale, except they're playing Uno. See, that could be funny. Problem is, is that in modern Hollywood, we just do not have anyone that creative that could actually pull it off without putting a lot of dumb stuff in there. Over on Rumble, Kincaid Rumsky says, Ken, you believe, I see what you did there, the Barbie movie is making more money than Dead Reckoning. Any ideas on why? I think you know the reason as to why that is the case. Why it can indeed do that. <laughs> Abomination, dad to say, uh, Mystery Men was a superhero parody with Ben Stiller and a handful of others, all of whom have unconventional abilities, fighting a supervillain played by Jeffrey Rush after something happens to the city's leading superhero played by Greg Kinnear. I had never heard of that movie, ever. That sounds intriguing, though. It's a Ben Stiller movie? Huh. That is interesting. Casino Royale then, sorry. <laughs> King and Rumsky then added on, Casino Royale, I see what you did there, doesn't quite roll off the tongue nearly as much as as a Ken meme, but I appreciate it. Greta Zenner in the chat. What's going on, Greta? Thanks for being here. Forever Sci-Fi, who's a member, says, Major Payne is a great movie. If he's still alive, in, if he's still in there, he ain't happy. Oh, it's so, so funny. If you've never seen Major Payne, it is great. <laughs> oh, the way he handles the, the cadet, that is deaf. You couldn't do that in today's world. You could not make that. But yeah, the, the entire the entire dynamic of him going up saying, there's a monster, there's a mean man in my closet. <laughs> and then the kid just runs down. He's still there. You want to see nurturing? Goes up, pulls out his gun, and shoots the closet. He's still in there. He ain't happy. Love it. <laughs> uh, what a way to make a child feel comfort. He just destroyed the mean man in my closet with extreme prejudice. <laughs> I need to watch. I need to watch Major Payne again. It's been too long. There's so many great lines in that movie. <laughs> Brightburn, oh father, it's hard, to, hard for me to take outraged parents seriously because their collective outrage is the reason why Warner's allowed Batman Forever and Batman and Robin to be made. Really? Was it because of how they? reacted to the Tim Burton Batman movies because they were too dark? I mean, let's just be frank. You can say that it had a part in it, but you cannot tell me that that is what led to those movies being made the way that they were. All right? The the director and producer behind it, was it Bruckheimer? Uh, let's just say, he had full control over that. <laughs> he is the sole reason as to how it became the way it did. Just because it moved in a much more, quote, family-friendly way, which I would still even argue is not really the case because, yeah, it's not as dark, but it's definitely not family-friendly. I mean, have you heard some of the lines Jim Carrey says in that movie? <laughs> oh, man. 
But also, again, I do still think in this case, that was anger over the films, not because they were marketed uh, incorrectly, right? Those films were marketed as the dark films that they are. Barbie was not. So I think it's night and day. Alejandro's opinion is better. says, if anything, Barbie's success tells us Cater to your core audience. Man of the Universe could be a massive, successive if it's a manly. But that's just the thing, Alejandro, is that it, it depends, right? Because it also depends upon you having an established large fan base. Because there was the most manly movie that most people can probably remember of the last several years in The Northman. And that film didn't break any records. That, that film didn't make crazy amounts of box office. In fact, I think the film maybe even technically lost money at the box office. So it's not just the movie that's being made. It's do you have an established audience and do you have, and this is a key factor here. Do you have a massive $150 million marketing campaign behind your movie pushing a film that does not actually exist? Because that is a major factor. You could say everything you want about the movie, but you can't deny that, no, the $150 million marketing campaign that was good, well done, and effective. However, also incredibly disingenuous, incredibly misleading, that that is what led to a huge portion of the film's success. Word of mouth takes you a lot, t- takes you very far. But who gets you to $160 million opening weekend? That's that marketing campaign going on. Kili Chow. There's a reason why you don't want a veteran telling little kids a bedtime story. Yep, Major Pain is a great example of that. Uh, I am JMS. What's going on? Welcome back. Uh, Laura says, I think one movie is enough. <laughs> General Wingster, Odin, that's bad. You don't know. You don't know me. You don't know nothing. Uh, let's see. Bianca Zombie over on Rumble. Yeah. Um, the film cost around $100 million production budget. Um, they got about $50 million in tax rebates. So the actual money they put into the movie production-wise, was around $150 million. The studio only spent $100 million, though, in net cost because of them getting 50, about $50 million back in tax credits because of where they filmed, etc. And then the reports are, and this, this is also being reported by mainstream outlets, that they spent around $150 million on the marketing campaign. And, I mean, let's just be frank. It makes sense. I don't deny or doubt for a second they spent that much money on the marketing because it was everywhere, Literally, it was everywhere. I remember even my Roku screen, uh, street, uh, screen uh, when, it, when it goes into the screensaver mode and they have random promotions every now and then, they had an entire thing where as it was, you know, the camera was fading along in the Roku screensaver, you have this huge Barbie promotion going on. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty clear they spent a lot of money on it. And guess what? It was money well spent. Can't, can't say otherwise with how much money it's making. Uh, IMJMS says, when do you think Spider-Verse 3 will release? Well, so the original release date was next year. Obviously, a lot of things are in flux because of the writer strike. I wouldn't be surprised if that film doesn't get impacted too much because from what I remember, it has a similar situation as Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning had where it was being made around the same time frame. It was being filmed, recorded, shot around the same time where the both movies were being done with a year separation between them to give a little bit of breathing room in the story and the market, etc. So that tells me that most of the film must be done already. Likely. I know that that's the case in dead reckoning part two. Um, I assume it's the same case in spider verse three, but I think that puts it more likely to still come out next year. 
I just think there's a lot of movies in flux. It really depends on how far they are in these movies, if they're in the post-production process, if they're still in the filming process. Anything that's in pre-production or filming is going to get a delay of some kind. Anything in post-production, it then depends on how far along in post-production they actually are. Um, So it'll be interesting to see what movies get delayed. We've already had some films that have been officially announced as delayed, but it will be interesting to see how many of them do get delayed and by how long. And I wouldn't also be surprised if some movies got delayed and then once the writer strike is over, I don't think the writer strike is going to last too much longer. But once it does end, I think that you'll start to hear more and more news about films now moving up in their release calendar. And uh, for instance, a studio could decide, hey, this film is further along than this one. Let's delay this one because we want this one to be really good to make it more money. And let's move this other one that was further along back since it doesn't change the schedule too much, just the release times. So that way they keep the same weekends, basically. Uh, let's see. Laura says, Barbie's response to being called a fascist was interesting, though. Yeah, it was. Um, and that's, again, I think that stuff like that and moments like that are why some people, are, I think, are overthinking and giving the film way too much credit. They're trying to see something that's not really there. They're trying to say that, basically, Greta Gerwig is trying to you know, speak on all these different levels and she is so meta and she is just getting everybody and you're an idiot for not understanding what she's doing there. It's like, you're giving her way too much credit. Actually watch any of her other movies and please let me know where any of that shows up in her previous stuff. Let's see, Brightburn. Defender is a mass superhero parody film just like James Gunn's Super. Haven't heard of that one either. See, Orange Hat says, there's a movie called Defender. There it is. Woody Harrelson playing an autistic trying to be a crime fighter. Interesting film. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. For sci-fi. Didn't they do superhero movie back in 2008? I don't remember that one. Frank G. Thought on the box office potential for the upcoming Five Nights at Freddy's. There's a lot of online hype for it. Well, remember, online hop. Online hop. Online hype does not guarantee um, box office success. It sometimes does. Like, that's the reason why, for instance, Box Office Pro was the only online uh, box office projector to actually get it pretty close to right on the projections on Barbie's box office. Because in their calculations, they include social media response, presence, things like that. But we also recognize that, well, Box Office Pro has been wrong several times before because online hype was a lot higher than what ended up actually happening. This kind of reminds me a little bit about, for instance, Black Adam. Uh, some of the things that like Tony over at Deadline was saying, for instance, was, well, The Rock has hundreds of millions of, of Instagram subscribers and he has all of these posts and they have all of these likes, etc. It's like, yes, but just because you have that does not guarantee su- uh, success. You still have to have a good movie and you still have to have a well-marketed movie and you still have to have a movie that's going to be able to move people. And that's why I keep saying, like people say, well, then wouldn't that have to then indicate that Barbie is a good movie in the minds of a lot of people? And that's where I have to go to. That's why the only way that you think that is either if you agree with the clear, consistent messaging of the movie or you are just oblivious to it. There, there really is no other way around it at that point. Let's see. Kili Chow. Speaking of parodies, there needs to be a Phantom Menace parody of the Saw movies where Geeks and Gamers have been abducted and only you can save them by eating pineapple pizza. Oh, no. No, thank you. No, thank you. I wouldn't, wouldn't even be put into that scenario in a fictional Reality. Master of Gaming. I'll give you credit at least. 
You acknowledge that Barbie doing well is good for theaters, unlike Jackson Jackson Fulker when it comes to Sound of Freedom. I don't know who that is, but let's just be fair. The people who are bad-mouthing Sound of Freedom are far and few. Again, they are almost exclusively coming from a very, very dark place. I posted this on, on Twitter the other day, this review from a, quote, top critic from Salon magazine. Now, most of you would say, Salon, of course. But she's listed as a top critic by Rotten Tomatoes, right? And in her review, she talks about how the losers, so talking about, you know, the people who actually are losing related to the movie are the people who, as she says, wasted their money and time going to see a movie that's filled with conspiracy theories. Yeah. So, that's why I look at the criticism of Sound of Freedom. And look, I even say, the film is not perfect. It's a B-level movie for me, as far as the objective film, which means it's it's pretty solid, it's pretty good, but it could have been a lot shorter. And that's just, again, that, that deals with pacing. The pacing was not great. The ending, I think goes off the rails a little bit. They, they should have really ended it after the main raid and not after the, the rescue. I, I think it gives some catharsis to some people in the audience, but story-wise, it does a little bit too much. But again, that's a valid critique. Whereas anyone trying to claim the conspiracy theories <laughs> about you know QAnon-adjacent nonsense, it's like, bruh, can't take you seriously. Cannot take you seriously whatsoever. Um, because the facts are Sound of Freedom is a well-made movie. It is doing incredibly well at the box office. It is driving a lot of traffic to the theater. Kili Chow, 13 is all right for me. Oh boy. I'm not going to read the last part. Oh, R. Kelly. Ugh. Gross. Favorite sci-fi. How about a strong feminine character? Haven't seen that in a while. Yeah. General Wingster. It's not that women don't need no man. It's that women need to become men. That, that is what it's become in today's world. Uh, Lord. <laughs> <I> just represents. <laughs> Keely Chow. Oh, man. Greta, what's going on? Thanks for joining today. Fox One, what's going on? Fing Book. What is going on? I totally agree. Miss Minnesota fan, a Polly Pocket movie, no thanks. And not just a Polly Pocket movie, but one with, with Lena Dunham. Amber Shimmerpot. Mystery Men is a must watch. Very nice. Very cool. Abomination over on Odyssey says, back then there was a barrage of parody movies. Epic movie, superhero movie, scary movie. Some took off, a lot didn't. Yeah, I remember some of them. I remember that. <laughs> Some people in this channel might have been a part of this. We were doing movie watches, and I remember one time the group had me watch, and, oh, Lord, did you buy the film for me? I don't know. Actually, it may not have been a, a group watch. It may have just been Laura and or others had, had uh, pressured me to watch it, and it was the 300 parody film. <laughs> and it was so bad. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> Uh, I forgot the entire story with that one, but I'm sure Laura or one of the others who who may have been around around that time might remember what happened with that. <laughs> remember, there was some pressuring to get me to watch it, and oh, man. Oh, do I regret it. By the way, thank y'all for being here. 66 people still watching on YouTube. Thank y'all very much. Again, smash that like button, please. And again, thank you for understanding 
my late start. Meet the Spartans Abomination. That's it. Thank you. Meet the Spartans. Yes. Kimberly G got it over on YouTube as well. It was not good, Daniel. No, no, no. It was abysmal. It was not funny. <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, let's see. Ryan Liu over on YouTube says, How much do you think Barbie will make in its final run? Total box office by the end of it is going to be well north of a billion dollars. Um, after we get tomorrow's official numbers, I'll give you my actual projections. Uh, keep in mind, I don't like making projections unless I have two weeks of data. My charting only counts for two weeks of data because it, it basically takes the historical averages of most movies. And from there, we can, we can you know, figure things out. Um, I guess I can go ahead and try to, to enter in some potential data to give us a little bit of a understanding of the possibilities. So for Barbie, for instance, let's say it, I think it's going to be more than this, but let's just say for the sake of argument, it, you know, taps out somewhere around $700 million by the end of its second weekend. That would mean a worst case scenario based on historical standards would be a billion dollars. Worst case scenario would be a billion. Uh, Best case scenario would be 1.4 billion. And the average would be $1.2 billion. So that's if it gets to 700 million by tomorrow. Personally, I think it's going to be closer to 800 million. So let's say it does get to 800 million by tomorrow. Then you're talking about a minimum of 1.1 billion, a maximum of 1.6 billion, and an average of 1.3. So what does that mean? It means if it gets to 800 million by tomorrow, and again, it could happen. If it gets to 800 million by tomorrow, then if the film has catastrophic drops, Right, high-end drops, meaning the the first two weeks would account for 70% of the entire run. That would mean a lot of drops. Worst case scenario would be 1.1 billion. If the film has incredibly strong holes, let's say it drops another 50% or less next week, and then it continues 50% or less, and internationally it's seeing similar holds, then you see upwards of 1.6 billion if it has really good holds. And then if it has a average performing right? Average holds for a movie of its size, 1.3 billion. So again, that's the reason why a billion dollars is all but guaranteed at this point. And the real question is going to be is, you know, how much money will it have made by the end of the day tomorrow? And that will ultimately be able to tell us where the film ends up. Let's see. Great Wuda on YouTube says, it's true. Parents complain that Batman Returns was too dark and it wasn't made for kids, even though it was rated PG-13, parents are dumb. And again, that is an example where I don't think you could say it's the same thing, all right? Because was the marketing, specifically the marketing, geared towards kids? Were they trying to make it out as a kids and family movie? And I'm sorry, there's no way you can say it did anywhere close to the type of marketing that Barbie did. Just saying. Frank G, Warner Brothers should uh, make a CGI standalone feature uh, for Looney Tunes. No Space Jam tie-in, but just classic Looney Tunes characters. It's an IP that needs a reboot and would be a hit, I think. I don't think it would, Frank G. I'm just going to be honest. And a big part of it is because if it was a draw, you would be seeing Space Jam 2 doing really, really well. And it didn't. And it was awful. It's not just the movie itself. It's not just the IP itself. You also have to be able to do one of two things. Either make an amazing movie with okay marketing that gets massive word of mouth and drives audiences, 
Or, case of Barbie, you have a completely opposite movie compared to your marketing campaign, but your marketing campaign is so good, and also with that IP in, in particular, it's incredibly high-strong, and then you can also do really well from that, too. Uh, for sci-fi, Uno can get really serious when the draw fours and draw twos start flying. It was ending friendships before the blue shell, or, you know, the reverse, or skip a turn. Could be big. Great Wuda, same thing with 1990 TMNT. Stupid parrots could play because turtles use weapons and wasn't made for kids, even though it was rated PG. So when two came out, they used food instead. And again, I'm not saying that those things didn't happen. I'm just saying that it's not comparable to what we're seeing with Barbie. Alejandro, sure, but Barbie is about to have a $90 million second weekend. Girls love this movie. Besides, Master of the Universe is a pretty massive franchise, and if done, will make bank. Again, I did not deny that fact, so I don't think you were listening to everything I said before there, Alejandro. I am JMS. Uh, is Mission Impossible 7 a flop or something? I thought this film would be huge. I guess it, uh, I guess, no. Uh, so the film, as I said, if it had gotten to certain numbers, then it would have been fine, but it did not reach those numbers. It had much bigger drop-offs than what it needed to get. And at this point in time, it is, yeah, it, it is a, you know, it's pretty much donezo. There is very little chance that it has. The only chance it has is internationally because it is still performing well internationally. However, we are seeing a lot of competition in that market, so I don't think the international numbers are going to end up being as strong as they could have been for it. And that's another great example, right? The film was really good, fantastic word of mouth. It was even marketed well, but the way they released it, sometimes it's the silliest things that can either make or break a movie. Cthulhu, Defender was such a good movie. Absolutely fantastic characters, and the end was perfect. So sad. Lesser logic, what is going on? Thank you very much. General Wingster then says, you all leave R. Kelly alone. No, we're not. Greta then says, did you see the new Exorcist trailer? It made me so mad that they keep doing this uh, to old classics. I didn't because I heard an explanation of it. And I'm not a big fan of the first Exorcist movie. I appreciate it for what it is, but that is not the kind of movie I'm drawn to. Freaks me out too much. But just hearing the way it was explained, as far as what they were doing with this film, it made me mad. And I was like, nope. Uh, I was already not going to go anywhere in this movie, and now I have no respect whatsoever for it, so no thank you. Justin C. Any predictions on how the Meg 2, the trench, will do at the box office? Uh, it's hard to say at this point, all right, because uh, things are very unpredictable right now. You couldn't tell that from the fact that, you know, Barbie is doing insanely well. Anyone who said that they knew Barbie was going to do well, you cannot tell me it was. you thought it was going to do this well. I'm sorry. Like... <laughs> That would have been a huge shot in the dark versus actual data to back it up. But right now it's projected to make 22 to $27 million in its opening weekend. Domestically, a total domestic run of 59 to $81 million. And that's 17% below where it was initially thought. That's coming from Box Office Pro. I mean, listen, I saw the first Meg film. I had fun with it. But I had no desire to see it again. And I, as soon as the sequel was announced, I said, this is stupid. They should not have done a sequel to this movie. And it looks like Warner Brothers is going to have another financial loss this year. <laughs> so I do not think I am not hearing any hype really whatsoever surrounding that movie. I know that there's some people that probably did like the first Meg. But that's very few and far between. So it, it just is not going to have an audience to be able to make up for any of those of those gaps. 
Let's see. King Kane Rumsky over on Rumble says, I don't know much about Lena Dunham. Is she a weirdo or something? Oh, well, let's just say that she's insane. She has uh, lied about uh, assault in her life. She also admitted to assaulting another person. Uh, let's just say before Greta Gerwig came into the huge space right now as as this you know feminist icon, and she's you know she'd been a part of the radical feminist movement for a while. Again, look at her other movies. Uh, a movie that people forget that didn't come out that, that long ago, Marriage Story. You know who made that movie? Greta Gerwig, Noah Baumbach. Same minds behind Barbie. Gives you a little bit of a mindset into into their into their thoughts. Uh, but yeah, Lena Dunham. I mean, you can look it up. I wouldn't recommend it. I really wouldn't recommend it. But if you really want to find out why she's insufferable, yeah, you just look up, you know, Lena Dunham comedy or Lena Dunham girl scene. She became famous because she basically was gifted a show uh, with with a lot of money and a lot of name recognition called Girls. And the main thing from the show was, oh, she is overweight and gets naked all the time. If I had to sum up the show, it's Lena Dunham gets naked almost every episode and nobody wants to see it. And it's trying to be funny, but it's not. There was one part of season one of Girls where they end up being at an abortion clinic and they're trying to say jokes. Let me just put it that way. That tells you all you really need to know about her and about the show. General Wingster, except for Scary Movie and Teen Movie, most modern-day parody films are garbage. Agreed. Those were the peak of the parody films. Uh, I think that when it, when it comes to the uh, the uh, the, the Spartans film, for instance, uh, that one does not match up. Master of Gaming. Elemental did better than your predictions. Do you think Wish and Elio will perform better because of Elemental's good word of mouth? No, because, again... Just because Elemental individually does better does not guarantee that the others, because what do they have to do? They also have to have good word of mouth. And the only way you get that is with a movie that is positively received by the people that watch it. And even though Elemental did better than the projections, guess what? It still lost tons of money. It's still like a hundred plus million dollars flop. Also remember that the budget we have for that film is probably not what they actually spent. We'll find out more about that next year, I suppose. But, doesn't guarantee it. Let's see, I'm JMS says, Did Barbie have a big drop because it's in a second week now? It didn't have a big drop. Are you... <laughs> what, are you what, what stream are you watching? I never said it had a big drop. It had a strong hold. It had a very, very strong hold compared to its opening weekend. Uh, Father Christopher Miller, the man who's always traveling, says, Ahoy, just made it home yesterday. Look at that. Bummed out to find my Amazon Prime Day's special purpose uh, purchase of Superman the Animated Series came with an expired digital copy. Well, shoot my monkey. Um, Father Christopher Miller, don't throw it away. By expired, do you mean that you just read it and it said the wrong date? Or did you actually try to enter the copy? In most cases, even if the code is expired, it still works. In most cases. Not always, but in most. Thanks for the suggestion of the menu about 12 hours after I left the plane. Yeah, well... I didn't get, I don't have notification turned on. It's one of the ways that I keep myself separated from Twitter during the rest of my day. I don't have notifications turned on at all. So, you know, I'll look at notifications, you know, every now and then, and it didn't show up immediately. So you should still watch it at some point. Forever Sci-Fi, you could make friends with a reverse card by being an ally in revenge. 
<laughs> uh, nice. Oh, man. General Wingster. Odin is clearly in denial. He'll acknowledge the first TMNT movie. I think that the first two live-action uh, Ninja Turtle movies are fun. I'm sorry. The second movie has go, Ninja, go, Ninja, go. You, you can't you can't downplay the second one. The first one's significantly better. It's a better movie objectively. No doubt about it. Second one's still fun. I even enjoy the third movie. I have fun with the general story of it. Frank G. Uh, the Meg 2 is going to do big numbers in China. No guarantee. And also, that's fool's gold. Remember, if a movie gets $100 million in China, guess what? The studio only gets $25 million of that. The $75 million goes to the Chinese Communist Party. Ryan Liu. Uh, I just talked about that one, so I'm not going to mention it again. Uh, General Wingster. I knew Barbie would make $1.5 billion. Sure you did. Great Widow says, not going to lie, I thought Barbie would flop. Yeah. Again, I said, I can see where the film could do well. I could also see where it could be a cash off failure, and I hope that it does. And clearly, it is doing well. I am JMS, bro. I feel like you're a troll. <laughs> I really do. Some of the questions I'm like, I don't feel like you're listening or that you listen at all. Did you like the Barbie movie? I mean, come on. Even if you disagree with my take on the Barbie film, if you're in the chat right now, have I not made it clear my thoughts on the Barbie film? I have an entire review up on the channel, man. <laughs> Orange Chat Reviews. The mega books are actually pretty good in my opinion. That's what I've heard. And I heard also a lot of people don't like the first movie because it is nothing like the book. Let's see. Alejandro says, whoever's responsible for calendaring films at Paramount needs to be fired. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think whoever made the decision to release, specifically to release Mission Impossible 7 on a Monday, Tuesday, <laughs> should also be fired. Because Barbenheimer would have happened, right? We can now look at that in hindsight and say, okay, that would have happened. But I think that they could have gotten a lot more momentum going for them in Mission Impossible 7 had they had a traditional Thursday premiere. Because you can't tell me that, oh, well, we got the IMAX screens for an extra few days. Okay, premium format screens can do certain things, but they can't do everything. You want to know a great example of that? Barbie. Barbie did not get any IMAX screens, and this weekend it lost a lot of any of the other premium format screens to Disney. Now, individual theaters probably could, and this is where, again, Disney plays hardball with theaters. They say you have to have this many showtimes in these types of theaters if you want to get our movie at all. And, and theaters basically have to comply with that. They've always played hardball in that way. So the fact that the Barbie film has held as long as it does shows you it helps. It definitely helps to have those larger ticket prices going towards your movie for sure but it's not a guarantee of anything. So I think that they actually probably would have had a better momentum swing with a more traditional release schedule versus what they did. Frank G says, I think Odin liked Barbie as much as the woman King. Yes, Frank G. Yes. Though to be Frank, I would probably no. You know what? I can't say that. I was going to say, I'd probably rather watch the woman King, but I can't say that because I'm pretty sure at the very least Barbie is shorter. I can't confirm that. <laughs> General Wingster, Lena assaulted Brad Pitt, never forget. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, father, yes. So, yeah, Kincaid Rumsky, I forgot about this. Yeah, Lena Dunham, I believe, yeah, assaulted her sister. It's really creepy. She wrote a book 
where she talks about her family life and she admits to certain things that for a normal person would be incriminating and would put someone in prison. But because she's, you know, chosen by the Hollywood cult to be a representative of their message, she's fine. Let's see. Over on Rumble, Kink and Rumsky says, I have some Warner Brothers stock. So should I be happy about the Barbie movie or sad? Um, I mean, you should be happy because you're getting something. What's interesting, though, is Mattel will be getting a cut of the receipts. So typically what happens is a studio will get a majority of the cut of a movie, and then about 40% or so, upwards of 50%, will go instead to the, the theaters by the by the end of the run. In the case of this movie, I don't know exactly what the split is, but I do believe Mattel will get some of those box office dollars. So Warner Brothers will still get money for it, but Mattel will be taking away some of it from what I know of the situation. Orange Review says, Lena Dunham is protected online. If you look up her specific admissions, you will find nothing. Can't say I'm surprised. General Wingster. Oh, <laughs> OMG, don't remind me of that crap, Odin. As a kid with separated parents, marriage story is major garbage. Yep. Yep. And if you've never seen Marriage Story, I would not recommend you watch it, but I think it will give you, if you are still on this line where you're saying, Greta Gerwig is a phenomenon, and she did some amazing stuff with this movie, and you're, again, ignoring or making excuses for the crap that's in there, watch something like Marriage Story. It will tell you a lot more about her. And him, because Noah Baumbach did that film with her, too. Marshall J2, who's a member, says, Oh, and I believe one of the reasons Barbie is doing well is because it was treated like an event. Agreed. Again, I think the Barbenheimer event online presence and the theater's willingness to embrace it, the studio's willingness to embrace it, there are so many factors that led to the movie being the success that, that it is, for sure. I'm JMS. I predict Barbie will hit $2 billion. I won't say it's impossible, but... Mathematically, it's very improbable. I, I just, again, possibility is there, but probability is, is almost non-existent. Master Gaming, it'd be funny that Warner Brothers thought The Flash would make a billion dollars worldwide, but didn't expect the Barbie to make a billion. Yep, and they lost quite a bit of money on The Flash. Not as much as Disney lost, of course, on the Indiana Jones movie. Father says, I tried the copy and no, it didn't work. Also, the vacationing priest, we get a few weeks of vacation, and as a fellow teacher, you should. Oh, don't don't you even do that with me, Father, okay? Uh, B-Rad says, on behalf of my home state of Ohio, we are sorry for giving the world Lena Dunham. How dare you, B-Rad? You, you disgust me. <laughs> you need to do better. Your state needs to do better, okay? You need to somehow get people like that early and teach them truth uh, let's see <laughs> father is also notorious for never providing context and always forgetting that I'm 30 minutes behind in the chat <laughs> uh, let's see General Wingster I like the three Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies more than the two more than two I like the third movie more than the second Despite the worst puppets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, I, I, I like all three. I think all three are fun. I think only the first one is truly good. But I think all three of them are fun. 
Fox One, be honest. Did you really enjoy the Barbie? <laughs> Fox One. I am JMS. Again, if you don't even know my opinion of the Barbie movie at this point, I don't know how else, I don't know what else you could be. General Wings, I recently got free month Prime membership and I've just finished Reacher. I really liked it. I'm going through Terminalist and Invincible now. I'm really behind. Yeah, Terminalist is fun. I need to, I'm, I'm behind on, it's the last season of, um, oh shoot. Is, I think it's the one with John Krasinski. I forget the name of it off the top of my head. But that, I think, is in its third and final season. So that's one I still need to watch. Kaylee Chow says, Would you watch The Woman King with Jane Theory and Lorena? Um, if we were all in the same area to watch it together, sure. I don't know how we would make that work. Um, I would not watch it individually to talk about it with... <laughs> Just because I don't want to... If I'm going to suffer through it, you know, I'm not going to want to suffer alone. <laughs> Master Gaming says, I can confirm Barbie will get nominated for most critically acclaimed piece of garbage movie at the Raven Awards. Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Now, to be fair, there are a lot of... And I know some people get triggered by this, but I'm just going to be honest. There are a lot of sims for this movie that I think will drive it. Remember, same thing happened last year with Avatar, where there were people simming for that movie. And Avatar got nominated for a lot of positive and negative categories. I would not be surprised if it also happens again with Barbie. But I do think there will probably be a lot more negative than positive. Your average picture nerd says, Hail Odin, good to see you on Carrie Smith's stream. Yeah, I was on Carrie Smith's channel this past Friday. Uh, it was a great pre- uh, great panel. It's me, Carrie, Brahma, and uh, Michelle from Force Light Entertainment. Shout out to them. And we talked about Nefarious. And all of us coming from Christian backgrounds were able to not only share our our faith perspective, but also our our critical film perspective. We all had different issues with the movie because, again, it is a movie and it's going to have issues. And it was a very good discussion. So can't wait to talk with them again. Ikthulu, I think the Paramount gave too much credit to Indy for sure. Uh, relevance to audiences when picking dates. Hindsight is always 2020. Six months ago, the choice makes sense. Oh, for sure, Ikthulu. Absolutely. In hindsight... You know, uh, they would have said Mission Impossible 7 gets a uh, July 4th release. However, there's a double-edged sword there, right? Because then you have a more direct battle between Sound of Freedom and Mission Impossible 7. And one could argue that Sound of Freedom would still have gotten as much motivation, as much recognition, as much uh, fire behind it. But then also... More people would have been exposed just by practice. More people would have been exposed to Mission Impossible 7. And when you have that higher amount of people exposed, positive reactions, as we saw the people that did go to see it had almost universal acclaim for the movie. It would have had a better impact for sure. Again, hindsight is indeed 2020. Justin C says, Woman King's runtime is two hours, 15 minutes. Barbie is 154. Yeah, runtime is typically what I determine when there's two garbage movies. I would typically want to go with the one that is shorter. If I had to go with any. <laughs> oh, man. Let's see. Frank G. Exactly Nintendo earned money from Super Mario Brothers movie. I'm sure Mattel will get paid for Barbie too. Yeah, exactly right. Hannibal Grimm. First one is one of the most comic accurate films. Talking there, I assume, about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. King Ann Rumsky over on Rumble says, uh, I am JMS General Winkster's troll account. I mean, that would be amazing if General Wingster had a troll account when he is already the pet king troll. It would be phenomenal. <laughs> uh, let's see. 
Oh boy. Abomination over on Odyssey nine minutes ago said, uh, but how do you really feel about the Barbie movie? Oh, don't you even. Don't you even. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes, Laura. I knew. I knew it was you. It was you all along. You broke my heart. Laura. That was me. Meet the Spartans. Laura was the one. Oh, it was so bad. <laughs> uh, I wanted to like it. Laura that says, oh, sorry, I had to feed the puppies, so I'm about 20 minutes behind. Laura, that's my job. I fall 20 to 30 minutes behind. Not you. Unacceptable. <laughs> Jack Ryan, yes. So I'm behind on the Jack Ryan show. Thank you all uh, very much. Let's see here. Forever Sci-Fi. I look at TMNT costumes and the Tron Legacy suits and realize how much CGI has ruined movies. Can't they just make a practical suit anymore? I would, yeah, I, yeah, Tron Legacy definitely has some good suits, I think. There's obviously way too much CGI in Tron Legacy, though. Um, but I think that the Ninja Turtles is the best example of how practical effects work, and they work very well. I, I prefer those to a lot of the animated stuff. Because it just works very well. It looks really good. And it makes it a lot of fun too. Now, you would think having a life-size turtle suit would look stupid. And yet, because of the way they designed it and because of the characters behind it, right? The the voice acting behind those, it, it's phenomenal. It's great. It looks great. Um, so I would agree. I would say in modern times, the one example that gets even close would actually be the unfortunately canceled too soon Swamp Thing show. Because the Swamp Thing suit was, the vast majority of it was a practical suit, and there were CGI elements. And it looked really, really good. And it worked well. Uh, I am JMS. Do you think Oppenheimer could hit $700 million or $800 million? I don't think so. It's tracking really, really well. Um, but I would say that it's, I mean, what? Could we argue that it's going to get to $300 million worldwide by the end of this weekend? Something like that. So let me just try to look at that from a historical lens. So if it were to get to $300 million worldwide, and again, it could definitely get to more. Um, let me see where it's at right now. Actually, yeah, sorry. It's at 266 right now. So let's say maybe $400 million. That probably makes more sense. $400 million by Sunday. Uh, that would mean a, a worst case scenario, 570 worldwide. Best case scenario, 800 million. So could it get there? Maybe. I don't know. It, it still is a long movie that has um, has a long way to go. It, it doesn't have nearly as much momentum behind it as Barbie does as far as net money is concerned. But it's, it's going to make a lot of money. Like compared to its budget, at least the budget that we've been told. So we'll have to wait and see. Again, we'll know, I'll know more tomorrow once we actually have the official week two numbers. Father for Christmas says, any chance Klaus Barbie shows up in the Barbie movie? <laughs> no. Abomination. Maybe General Wingster should get an Odyssey where he have a king troll emoji. There's a king troll emoji over an Odyssey, General Wingster. Does that entice you to go over there? All right. We're about at time. And my nose is stuffy. If you can't hear, I'm sick. Little baby Thor has had a little cough last couple of days. Doesn't seem like anything serious, but enough to where my voice is tired and I am hungry. 
Let's see, Frank G. Have you heard they may push back Aquaman 2 again, leaving Christmas completely empty? How crazy is that? I did not hear that, Frank G. And honestly, if they do that, I have... I already don't have a lot of hopes for Aquaman 2 as both a movie or as a box office (laughs) uh, potential. I mean, if of any of the DC properties, it is the only one of the modern DCEU to have made over a billion dollars. So, theoretically, it had the better chance. That being said, I still don't think it's it's a likely scenario. If they push it back, though, I think it's dead in the water. All the pun in the world intended. Uh, Fox 1. Lord of the Rings practical effects looked awesome. The Hobbit was dog turd. Agreed. Because they ended up going with significantly more um, CGI versus anything else. General Winkster says, sure, I'll check out Odyssey. Oh, boy. General Wingster might be heading out over there. Forever Sci-Fi, who's a member, says, I only torment Odin uh, with good movies, like A Silent Voice. Years at Blockbuster made it impossible for me to provide bad movies. I'm pretending Police Academy 5 and 6 aren't in the collection I said. <laughs> yeah, I still need to watch the Police Academy films, man, because I, I know that it is a, a series that I've, a lot of people talked about. And Silent Voice, I've been wanting to watch that one because I do like um, I do like animes and specifically those, those styles of animes. Um, I still have that one, though, and I'm very excited to to, to see it. Uh, I love Cabbage over on Rumble says, The Barbieverse, it's coming. Yeah, unfortunately, and very terrifyingly, it is indeed the case. Yeah, based on the numbers that we're seeing. Uh, General Winster says, Akuna Drive, never heard of it. Is it on Prime? Hadn't heard of that one. I think you were talking to someone else in the chat. But anyway, I believe that is everyone. See, Father says, also any chance you saw Lizzo playing the flute in Hobbiton Hobbiton recently? That's not enough bleach for my eyes. No, I did not. And I'm sad to even hear that that's that's a thing that actually happened. Uh, But anyway, that is going to be it for me, ladies and gentlemen, for the evening. So thank you all again for uh, putting up with my late start. Uh, Again, because of uh, Baby Thor having to go to a a birthday party, us getting back a little later than usual, but I was not able to have a, an actual dinner because of that, so I am hungry. I need to go find something that I can that I can eat that won't make me <laughs> sick because I don't usually eat this late, but anyway, um, as far as things coming up tomorrow, box office breakdown. Sometime around, sometime between 1 and 3 p.m. That is when I get home from Mass, and uh, while Baby Thor is napping, I get my Box Office Breakdown for Geeks and Gamers and for OMB Reviews done. So be on the lookout for that coming out. And right now I'm projecting that Barbie <clears throat> will be probably between seven and $800 million. Somewhere in that range could be higher. For all we know, it's doing very well. So that will make a billion dollars guaranteed. And then Oppenheimer, I think that we will definitely see probably, what, $350, $400 million worldwide by tomorrow. Very, very good numbers, both Incredibly strong films, both well past their their break-even points, and uh, both continuing to add to their overall profits. So be on the lookout for that. And then this week, I go back to school. We have meetings, so I don't have any students this week, but the following week, I do. So that's why all of the morning streams are done. The summer morning stream is done uh, for the week. So I will see y'all on Tuesday evening for the Welcome to Asgard podcast on the 1st of August. Crazy. That August is right here at this point in time, and also if you are a, a uh, if you are a member on locals on locals, uh, subscribe star Patreon, and for some members on YouTube as well, I will have a bonus podcast episode 
trying to film that on Monday, hoping to try to do that on Monday at some point as it'll be my last actual day of, of free time. Just I want to be able to use that time, which is why there is not a stream schedule for that day at that point. So anyway, thank you guys for being here. You guys are all amazing and beautiful people. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. A blessed Saturday. And as always, God bless.